can he be successful enough to kind of rip that job from uh, from Latroy Hawkins' cold, dead hands? I really liked that acquisition. I think that he's going to shock some folks. Very interested in Shane Green. There must be like somebody's boss that watches these games through Twitter because damn it, these tweets are out of control this spring. Given the that Tim Federovich or whatever is his backup. By the way, I got to give you credit on Federovich. I know you. I've heard you talk. I do listen to the <laughs> podcast. I've heard you talk about having player pronunciation issues. Welcome to episode 220 of the Sleeper in the Bus. It's your Tuesday edition. I am Paul Spohr, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Good to hear. Good to hear. I'm a little frustrated on my end here. Some technical <laughs> technical issues as Skype seems desperate to make me want to use the, the latest version. Uh, mm-hmm. It has auto-installed it despite automatic updates not being on. It has auto-installed it the last four days in a row. Uh, and a couple days before that, so had got off to a late start here, but we're going to get rolling. We're going to dive right into the news because we got some big DL news. And honestly, if, if you're looking around the diamond this year, and this might might just be anecdotal, but it seems like the snake bitten position so far this year is the backstop catchers, man. And uh, this was a position that, for me at least, when I came into the season, I was looking at this uh, as having some depth. So I guess, you know, they, they can withstand it a little bit, but th- there's just been a lot of big catcher injuries. We had Jan Gomes go down. Uh, Devin Mazzarocco uh, seems to always be ailing. And now Jonathan Lucroy, the, the consensus number two guy behind the dish, behind Buster Posey, is headed to the DL with a toe injury after a batted, a batted ball clipped him uh, in Monday night's game. And coupled with that, the news that we had the other day uh, coming out of the weekend with Travis Darnot hitting the DL with the, uh, with the hand injury. So that's two big guys, one, you know, really at the, uh, at the super elite end, and then another who was supposed to be an emerging guy that people thought maybe could become elite. We've lost two big backstops, you know. Uh, like I said, in addition to some others already being gone, what's going on with catchers? <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's crazy. And I'm, right now I'm, I'm looking for, uh, you know, Jeff Zimmerman has broken down uh, his disabled as data all these different different ways. And I was looking for um, the, the one where he did it by position. But in any case, um uh, I, I don't think that uh, it's saying anything crazy to say that catchers are putting themselves in harm's way more than any other position, and that to some extent that when we project them for you know 400, 500 play appearances, it's not only about the fact that they take a rest on a day on a weekly basis. It's also about the fact that they get injured a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. I, I realize that it is a, a pretty big, uh, you know, position that, that you can definitely get hurt at. That we, we know that much coming in, but still I was just, it seems like we're really just getting popped with the guys right off the bat here. So let's, uh, let's try to come up with some replacements because it's not easy. You know, you got some guys that are, that are already, uh, you know, breaking out that people have already jumped on. You know, if, if your league slept on Steven Vote, that ship has sailed. Uh, don't expect that to happen. You know, um, Alex Avila is probably somebody that's already starting to get picked up because when healthy, we already know that he can perform. So some of the names that I've come up with, they're not pretty. I have no idea how A.J. Pierzynski has three home runs, but he does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess that's somebody he's he's playing with, with uh, you know, not re- I wouldn't say regularity. He's He's still the bench guy. But uh, he's getting in there, and you might just need somebody that, that is getting plate appearances, particularly if you're replacing Luke Croyer or Darnold in a NL only. Uh, that's where he would become more viable. A couple guys maybe in mixed leagues, again, not not sexy, but uh, Caleb Joseph and Tyler Flowers seem to have a big bigger handle on playing time. So those are three names. Like I said, it's really barren. I'm, I had a tough time coming up with names that I'd be remotely interested in to replace these catchers. What do you think? Well, I mean, just not to get too deep right off the bat, I do notice that Miguel Montero is available in some leagues. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, if, he, if, he, if he's out there, I would go for a proven name like that in a second. Yeah. I mean, he's not 
he's not having as good of a start as, you know, a Caleb Joseph or something, but, sure. but there's nothing really out of, out of whack with, uh, what he's doing right now other than his, you know, 136 Babbitt. Um, otherwise his walk, strikeout, even as he's shown some power, he's in a decent lineup. Um, you know, they've been playing Ross some, but in terms of, you know, you know, just sorting my, my list for players with, you know, plate appearances by catcher, you know, I think that's a decent way at this point in the season, actually. I mean, that's uh, a great name. He's six percent owned at ESPN leagues, and and we, and we go down to them because uh, ESPN, you know, caters to the ten teamers. So uh, that's you know, if you're trying to replace somebody in in, in a league that is a little bit more shallow, uh, then you could definitely get him. And if he's only six percent there, he's probably still open in, in some deeper leagues too. Yahoo, twenty four percent. I don't have CBS up, but I wouldn't imagine that he's much higher than 50% over there. So that's going to put Montero uh, at some pretty strong availability. I would definitely it's, jump in on him. It's really weird. I mean, it's 24% for him, and it's 22% for Avila and Yahoo, and I don't really get that. 23% for Zanino, who, you know, is just doing the same thing he's always done. I don't really yeah, I don't really see a, a breakout happening for Zanino, really. And, Me neither. Uh, you know, the only – so if we if we go past that sort of 20% threshold – uh, that's where I think we start getting into that problem you were having, which is, um, um, you know, just, just lack of talent. I think, you know, another name that I would like that's lower down, Jason Castro mm-hmm. is, uh, 11% in, um, Yahoo. And, um, they played, um, they, they played Hank Conger some, but I don't think it's, it's really a risk to his playing time. Um, you know, no, I, I agree with that. that. If Jason Castro could be the guy, that is exactly what they would prefer in Houston. I, th- I think they want him to be the primary primary guy there. That's a good name for sure. I'm seeing and he, now. And, you know, for what's worth, he's making more contact this year, which, you know, it might be a small sample thing, but, you know, swing strike rates stabilize quickly. And his 7.4% uh, whiff rate would be in line with what he did in 2012. So we could actually see the sort of better batting average, better OBP version of Castro, and maybe not necessarily much more than 10 homers. But still, you know, I think I would take, you know, 270 and 10 homers um, from my, you know, fill-in catcher or whatever. Especially if Lucroy was the one who got lost, because Lucroy, you know, that's similar to what Lucroy would do. Absolutely, and I, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna say this name because uh, I didn't think he would be all that available. But it looks like Derek Norris, he's only fifty-four percent at Yahoo, so you almost have a, a one in two chance there. Super owned over at at CBS, eighty-six percent, but in that same fifty-ish percent range uh, for Yahoo as well. So Derek Norris is somebody I'd be very interested in. Doesn't have a homer yet, so maybe people are getting impatient. But everything else has been in line for him. It uh, looks like he's taking to the transition of becoming a full-time catcher and really having to manage a staff pretty nicely so far. So that's another name. So we got we got you some names there, whether you're, whether you're looking at it in a deeper league or something that's a bit more shallow. Yes, Monty Grandal is another one. He's off to a slow start, but I liked him coming into the year. I would we also did, consider uh, I don't know if we, we really helped people all the way at the deep end. Um, I did want to throw one name out. Um, Ploiecki, you know, Ploiecki is not – uh, he's coming up to replace Travis Darnot in, in, mm-hmm. in New York. And, you know, people are asking if they should, asking me if they should blow a lot of FAB, FAB auction money on him, um, especially in keeper leagues because he's a decent prospect. But, you know, a decent catching prospect is still a catching prospect. Exactly. He's only going to be up while Travis Darnot is hurt. And he wasn't hitting all that well in AAA this year, but uh, he was still making contact, which is customary for him. Um, and uh, he'd shown, you know, he'd hit a double, a couple doubles and a triple, so he's not powerless. So, uh, I, you know, I think he could actually outperform. I, I don't know why he has to have a 254 Babbitt, like Seymour projections, uh, projects Ploiecki. I think he's could be a decent average guy um, in the big leagues, you know, a kind of guy. I don't know, maybe Ruizish or or um, that, that's a good name. Uh, you know, like it, well, yeah, what if he catches fire? You know, because that's the thing. When you make contact, right. if you catch fire for that small period, and 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 your things are falling your way, so you're getting good hits and then some dinkers. All of a sudden, you're hitting 320 for your uh, for your 60 uh, plate appearance sample while you're replacing him. 
And obviously we would take that all day. That's obviously on the high end. Some good luck would be involved with that. But I like a guy who makes contact. So that's another good name. I think him, Pierzynski, um, and, and Tyler Flowers should be available in those, in those deeper leagues. Um, another one that I, I kind of liked coming into the year as a, as a catcher two in super deep mix or mostly NL was Francisco Cervelli. Uh, he doesn't have much pop, but it was more for the at bats and, and maybe some decent batting average. Uh, you know, so not, it's, it's not a great replacement. I understand that, but I feel like he's going to play enough. That team's going to be solid. That Cervelli could have a little, uh, bit of value as well. So again, trying to give as many NL names as I can because that's going to be where it's hardest to replace these two. Yeah, that's a great uh, name for a Lucroy replacement also, um, and probably better than Ploiecki because he's playing um, every day and uh, has had some adjustment period under his belt. He's not hitting major league pitching for the first time. I think his strikeout rate will go down. He has a good history of above-average BABIPs, um, so I think he's a decent play for, for a Lucroy replacement because he's going to give you a little bit of batting average and um, you know, play more than some of your other replacements. I, I have a couple of shares at Cervelli. I think he's a decent, decent player. Perfect. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk about a, a Brewers teammate of, of Jonathan Lucroy. He's also hitting the disabled list. That's Scooter Jeanette. He's going on with a hand injury. And boy, can it get any worse for the Brewers? For one, that it doesn't really seem like it can at this point. Uh, at least Ryan Braun hit a home run in, in, at the end of their, you know, not blowout loss, but it was a pretty big loss. I think six to one uh, to give them a little faint uh, bit of hope. But it's not going well out there in Milwaukee. Jeanette on the disabled list. Let's talk about some potential second base, maybe middle infield types, because uh, maybe your middle infielder's already second base, and you can move them over there. Again, it's it's not a situation where it's it's flush with with uh, with talent, of course. Thinking on the deeper end of it, starting, uh, I'm looking at like a Logan Forsythe who's off to a good start. Um, Jose Iglesias, if you do only need the middle replacement because he's making a lot of contact right now and showing some early speed, and then it's probably going to be a bit of an empty batting average. But Joe Panic is there. And then there are some guys that are a little bit on the higher end if you're in more of a 10 or 12 team mixed league that could be, that could be good. Uh, Rugnet Odor is somebody that you really like coming into the year. He's off to a slow start. Ben Deronio, uh, wrote on Rotographs today about not worrying about that slow start so you can read more there. DJ LeMay, who's hitting like 9,000. The batting average will come down, but that's somebody who does play in Coors Field. Um, you know, even somebody like Marcus Semyon's only 55% owned at Yahoo. So there's a chance that he's out there. And then one other name I like before I let you either talk about these or give some of the names that you like is this Odabel Herrera, the, uh, Rule 5 pickup. Don't forget about the doobie. Uh, love this guy uh, over for Philadelphia. Looks like he's going to run a whole bunch, making a lot of contact early on, hitting 302, uh, with three stolen bases. At Yahoo qualifies shortstop second base and outfield too so could give you some flexibility so there's some names both deep and a little bit more shallow it shouldn't be as tough to replace scooter Jeanette as it as it is going to be for lucroy but uh, obviously you're unlikely to pick up some you know star out of out of this at, at, at this point in the season yeah it's not not gonna happen especially in the deeper leagues you're just staring at uh you know a hole and you might not even be able to get um, you know, cause I, on the deep end, I kind of like Jace Peterson still, mm-hmm. uh, he's moving down the order. He's not as sexy as he was early in the season, but I, I like his played plate approach. I think he can hit 260, 270 with speed. Um, not too far off from Jeanette, but, um, and then I also, you know, Wilmer Flores, uh, not a great start, but, uh, in terms of his plate, uh, the discipline peripherals and the, the contact and the fact that he's actually, um, you know, connected for some, with some power. Um, I still, I still think, uh, he's a guy who could Johnny Peralta kind of, um, you know, so those names are, are interesting, but, you know, in a deep league, you can't, you're not even looking at those. I mean, honestly, you're, you're looking at, um, you know, whoever's going to play, uh, second for the, for the Brewers, you know, that's how deep some leagues get. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I don't even know who that's going to be. Uh, they brought up uh, – is it Elian Herrera? Is that the, is that the name? Oh, uh, yeah, that's probably him. I, I believe they brought him up. They have somebody, they I believe. Last year. Is it Hector Gomez who's already been on the roster yeah. uh, this year? So the, the, these are the options that they're looking at. It's it's not going to be 
pretty uh, for what they're doing out there. A name that I do like, again, probably for, for Shao Orleans should be out there. Uh, a guy who was, you know, cutting it up this time last year was Yangervis Salarte, who, you know, definitely slowed down as we all expected, but is showing that uh, that he's a major leaguer. You know, he's a guy, he can play, uh, he can do some things. He's not going to be special, but you're going to ho- hope for a decent batting average uh, with a little bit of contribution everywhere else. It's not, it's, it's not going to be special, but n- neither was Scooter Jeanette, let's be honest. He, he, uh-huh. wasn't, he wasn't special anyway. So Solarte is another name that I like too. So, again, you'll have an easier time replacing this. But uh, it, it's tough all around with all three of these injuries are, are you know, substantial dents to the teams that they're on. Um, talking about an injury that hasn't yet really blossomed into anything major, but something to keep an eye on is that uh, we heard that Chris Dickerson, or excuse me, Corey Dickerson, if it was Chris Dickerson, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. <laughs> Corey Dickerson is dealing with a mild case of plantar fasciitis right now. And that's why he left Monday's game. I thought it was because of blowout, and they were just pulling out the studs, uh, which I'm sure DFS players loved yesterday because the Colorado guys did not pan out, and then all of a sudden they were coming out early. So uh, we we do find out that there's a reason that Dickerson came out. Are you freaking out about this yet? Uh, You're going to plan ahead for it, or are you just going to kind of say, you know what, if it gets worse, it gets worse, but I'm going to ride Corey Dickerson until until there's no more? Yeah, I mean – I'm definitely not selling now. And plantar fasciitis, I mean, it can it's definitely a thing, and it can definitely affect your swing and, you know, the balance of, of power from the back to the front foot, you know, because you're, you, have to, you have to be in your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I could see how this being, this being, you know, sort of a big deal. But you remember back to when Albert Pujols was dealing with this. Um, it didn't lead to his best years, but he also didn't take a ton of time off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, maybe Dickerson and maybe they'll, they'll find, uh, you know, amazingly it'll be, uh, Dickerson sits against the lefty <laughs> for some uh, reps. Weird, weird. That, that'll yeah. be a, a, an easy way to get him rest, especially when they have lefty destroyer, uh, Drew Stubbs sitting right there. So I think that's going to be become a bit more of an obvious, you can plan on it sort of platoon. Uh, I, I thought I, I, you know, I kind of read coming into the season that they kind of wanted to get him some more looks against lefties yeah. to maybe make him into that full-time player. But now when you've got the, the excuse to sit him, I think, I think we'll see that more often too. I agree with you there. Uh, now in a little bit, oh, actually, you know what? I'm going to mix these two up that you're going to see on the list here since it is a teammate. We should probably bring up that Nolan Arenado was scratched late yesterday with a bit of a wrist injury. Again, this is probably something that you don't need to react to right now. Just be aware of it. Obviously, there's nothing that's slowing this guy down right now. Um, but he had, he had to sit out. For that game against uh, Odris Merdespanye and the Padres, I assume he'll be back tonight, but obviously keep an eye on that. Uh, right? You're not worried just yet? You're just you're taking note of it? Yeah, I wonder if it had something to do with that great defensive play he made the other day. Same thing that went through my mind the second I saw it, that one where he's just running straight back, dives and makes the uh, – or you know, not, not dives, kind of leans forward, makes that sweet catch, and then runs right into the tarp there. Uh, yeah. I'm sure he bashed his knee and maybe his wrist as well. That couldn't have felt good, but, uh, of course, he played it cool. It was like, looked like it was nothing to him. Uh, let's, talk some, let's talk some positive news now. Let's talk about some guys coming up as opposed to guys going on the disabled list. And we'll start with Addison Russell, who, you know, is not going to have the same fanfare as Chris Bryant. I mean, obviously, uh, this this move was just kind of announced. And, you know, baseball fans, diehards are excited. Prospect Mavens are definitely excited. But it is not getting the same kind of over-the-top fanfare that, that Bryant did. And yet, Russell is, is an elite prospect himself. I mean, Baseball Prospectus had him as their number two guy. Baseball America had him as their number three. MLB as their top five. Um, I don't have Kylie's list up because I'm looking at Baseball Reference, which lists all three of these. I know he was in Kylie's top ten, at least as far as I remember. So this is a guy who is super elite as well, although maybe more of the defensive piece that, that boosts him you still have reason to be excited about him coming up this year uh, with um, Addison Russell, don't you? Yeah, the only thing that worries me is that there's a couple things that worries me that worry me. Uh, you know, I, I fell in love with him at that AFL that we were at, mm-hmm. and um, uh, in 2013, and I, I interviewed him then along with uh, Mookie Betts, um, and got as many shares as I could of both of them after I talked to them because they were both really smart uh, young men that 
I thought uh, their makeup would help them make the different adjustments they had to make. I think I you're going to be the, right on that, by the way. I think, they, I, think that's, I think that's a really good thing to, to sense of a, of a player when you're, when you're talking to them at that age. Because, you know, you don't get the best interviews because they're not that used to the interview process and all that. But at the same time, you know, Russell told me something I'd never heard before, which is that, um, you know, shortstops and middle infielders actually make little noises at the third baseman and the first baseman in order to tell them that um, uh, an off-speed pitch is coming in case the, the player at the plate um, pulls the ball down the line. And... Um, you know, I was like, what? You know, can't the hitter hear you? And they say, you know, the hitter's not, can't pay attention to the shortstop and the pitcher at the same time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, you know, Russell's definitely, the thing that, okay, so that's, that, that's the good thing about it. And, um, but that also makes me think, well, I wonder how much of this is, is real life, um, baseball stuff where I, I fall in love with Russell because I see him as being a heady, uh, take charge shortstop was going to stick at shortstop despite some people's questioning his size and whatever. And that I love the fact that he's going to, you know, be able to do maybe league average type, uh, bat stuff, uh, while being a, a plus a shortstop and, and that sort of thing. So I, that's not the kind of thing that means fantasy, um, you know, God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that if you look at his minor league line, there's still, there is definitely the potential for a guy to come up. And, you know, strike out a league average rate, maybe walk at a league average rate, maybe not. The last couple of stops, he hasn't walked that much. Uh, but let's say he, he walks the league average rate, strikes out a league average rate, has league average power and, and slightly above average speed. These things don't suggest that he's going to hit 300 or that he's going to hit 30 homers or that he's yeah. going to steal 30 bases. So better baseball player than, than fantasy player. Uh, maybe is also part of the reason that he's not getting quite the the, the fanfare coming up. Uh, how does it relate to Francisco Lindor, who I think the fantasy community has realized, even though they're still very hyped on him and he, and he got drafted in some leagues this year where, where there's a reserve so you can kind of hang on, even though I, I do think that everyone has still kind of realized, though, that it's not going to be an elite offensive player when he comes up, but he could be so good defensively that he plays all the time. Is this the same kind of thing with Russell? Is that he could come up, take that second base job, play a ton, and so that value, uh, th- there's value in that alone, even though he might not rip the cover off the ball immediately. Well, you know, Lindor has stolen more bases than Russell has ever s- stolen. Okay. Uh, but Russell so much has more, more speed. Much more, yeah, and Russell has much more power. Um, so, you know, there there is a potential for offensively, um, uh, Russell to look a little bit maybe uh, Peralta esque, um, okay, with a you know a decent batting average and you know 16 homers or so in any given year, uh, at least at first. I, I think a, a peak projection for Russell would would have him with more power than Peralta. Um, That'd be because, nice because he's a strong dude. But uh, and then I think that you, when you're talking about Lindor, you're talking about hoping that he's an Elvis Andrews type. And I know Andrews isn't looking so good this year, but just in general, kind of uh, the Andrews Escobar uh, crowd. But uh, for what it's worth, uh, Lindor's strikeout rate has been a little bit more worrisome than um, the sort of Andrews Escobar guys. So I think that's why people are worried that his stick. Um, I mean, it'll probably stick because of his glove, but it might be more of a utility type thing if he, because if he strikes out like 20% of the time in the big leagues and has like a 100 ISO, um, I mean, I, there's not a lot of people who do that. No, it's not, that's not hot. That, that's not so great. <laughs> that's, that's going to be like a 230 average. Like honestly, that's what his projection right now is, is a 17% strikeout rate and a, you know, basically a 100 ISO. And that produces a, a 230 batting average. So even if you're stealing a lot of bases, I mean, it's worse than, uh, it's kind of, I guess, Everth Cabrarian, um, uh, which is okay if you, if you have like plus defense. Um, but if you just look at what, you know, Everth Cabrera's career, you know that that's pretty borderline. And, and so then maybe, maybe the fantasy community doesn't have a good grasp on what Lindor might be when he comes up because he's certainly be tra- being treated uh, much better than, than, uh, than Everest Cabrera. So obviously there, there's room for improvement on Lindor. We're not saying that he's Everest Cabrera, book it and, and, and go right. from there, but it, it's not 
the same kind of upside that you would normally associate with a top 10, top 15 prospect. Um, but- yeah, and this is the last thing I wanted to say, actually, because you mentioned this top 15, top 10 project, uh, prospect thing. There, there are always more shortstops in the top 10, top 20, uh, of any ranking. You know, we are, we fetishize the shortstop. We love the shortstop for good reason. It's the most important defensive, um, you know, non-catcher position on the, on the diamond. And, um, and, you know, it takes the most athleticism. And so it's where everybody starts. And if they can't make it there, they move on. I don't think that's what's happening with Addison Russell, by the way. I think they're just going to, Put in there. I think that eventually he could still be a shortstop um, or a third baseman. Uh, so I don't think that I think this is just about you know the team looking kind of good and then wanting to just you know see what's going to happen this year. Uh, but uh, but you know in terms of you know how you appraise a shortstop prospect, you have to remember in the back of your head that they get a little more love than I don't know if it's they should or they get a little more more love in these things cuz they're the toolsy guys they're the they, guys that you want to build your 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 team upon but they they bust just as often as the rest but they 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 probably get more love because of the of the floor the, the cuz so much can happen from shortstop if you're if you're a shortstop and it doesn't work there you can go obviously anywhere else on the diamond pretty much and so that's probably a part of it as well. And, and it makes sense. It, it definitely makes sense, but you have to be careful when you're using that analysis or, or just looking at the prospect rankings and saying, well, I got the number three overall prospect. This is going to work out. I think that's the point you're trying to make, and I, I agree with you there. By the way, Russell was third on Kylie's list, so no lower than fifth on the four major lists and as high as second. So we'll see what yeah. Russell can deliver. Just to just to like uh, remind people, like you know, last year uh, Johnny Peralta actually led uh, shortstops in WAR, um, but um, you know there there are many different ways of, of being a major league shortstop. I mean, if you believe that Hecaveria has good defense, um, he's a guy who has no power, no patience, a little bit of speed, but good enough defense to be a major league star, uh, starting shortstop. And then you got your Xander Bogarts type who, you know, has a little bit more power and patience, uh, but may not be as good with a glove. So there's lots of different ways. Jed Lowry, uh, you know, a guy that just, you know, kind of makes the plays he has to play, make mm-hmm. and, um, you know, is a decent batter, but not great. I mean, the, the, if Jed Lowry is a major league shortstop, he's a, he's a win for your, for your real life team. You, you developed a, a real life shortstop and you either got value out of him in, in a trade like people did, or you got someone you can play. And so Aston Russell could come up and be Jed Lowry. I mean, it wouldn't be that crazy, um, actually, you know, it, you know, in, in a good Jed Lowry power year, I guess. Yeah, um, I think people just want to dream on something so much more that they see something, if you say like a Jed Lowry or even a Johnny Peralta, they see that as a disappointment uh, without understanding the scope of how rarely guys turn into a Johnny Peralta or a, a, or a Jed Johnny Lowry. <laughs> exactly. That, that, that's the thing. Without, without really understanding just how good they are, and you're saying Jed Lowry power year in a good power year with health too because we're not necessarily saying right, the, Johnny, right. or the Jed Lowry health profile for Addison Russell either. So there's a wide range of outcomes here. Obviously, I'd say go get them in just about any league. Um, you know, once you start getting in the 10-teamer, don't cut somebody good in that in that case. But if you can get them, just just because there is upside with Russell, I, I would try to get them in, in, like I said, just about any format except maybe the 10-teamer if I already had a pretty locked and loaded team because I'm not sure that he's going to be amazing right off the bat. The other guy we need to talk about, uh, Jason and I spoke about him a little bit because I think this news came down right when uh, – right when we were going on, uh, but I want to get your thoughts on Carlos Rodon being called up by the White Sox. They're going to use him out of the bullpen initially. Um, that doesn't really deter me all that much because I feel like that could be pretty short-lived, especially with Hector Noesi and John Danks uh, occupying the fourth and fifth spots. That leaves uh, plenty of room for daylight, as you like to call it, uh, for Rodon. So I, I'm not worried too much about that, even though I know people wanted him starting out of the gate. What do you think of Rodon? How much of a fantasy impact can he have this year in your estimation? I mean, he's if there's a if you're looking for upside, there's there's not much more uh, there's not much better. I mean, even a Cindergaard or um, you know you know he's not even in the bigs. So you now you've got this guy in the bigs. He's ready to go. Um, I think the innings the innings thing is a question, and it's part of why he's being played in the bullpen. But 
it's it may not be as much of a question as as you might think because last uh, in 2014 he actually uh managed 98 innings in NC State so um you know that that won't show up on your Fangraphs page uh when you look at him got um, dig for that one yeah so 98 innings um and if you add that to what he did um with uh with the White Sox and their organization um you've actually got uh about 125 innings last year um, it's not too bad. Yeah, so 125 innings. I think that uh, a team would be uh, generally okay um, with bumping that up to, you know, I think you know 140, 150. Um, he's only pitched 10 so far, and um, they'll probably try to get him to, um, I would say, try to get him to May under 20, and then uh, five months of a of a fifth starter. Is probably uh, you know 140. You know where they skip him every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he'll be starting by May. Actually, I think in May he'll be starting, and then you, you've probably got him for uh, maybe 100 innings. Um, over I, the- I agree with you. I, I think it'll be a, like I said, a short thing. So don't get too panicked on that. Don't don't pass on on going to try to get him because you're thinking, oh, it's just a bullpen. It's no big deal. I, I would acquire him in any league format. That I could. I, I think that yeah. the upside is that high. That I heard something funny. You know, one one analyst said, "Well, it's you know, it's good good for him to go in that bullpen where he can work on the changeup." And I'm like, "Well, as long as you're communicating with him well, that he should be working on the changeup." Because normally, what happens when you put a guy in the bullpen is they go gas. They just and they throw their two best pitches and they don't worry about the rest. So exactly. Um, but they have said that they're going to try and put him in soft situations. So that probably sounds like either a blowout for a couple of innings or two or two or three innings in a row or um, some something similar. So I I think if he if he does go in knowing that he's going to have a couple innings that he wants to pitch um, and that they're still looking at him as a starter, I think he'll probably flash that change a little bit. I'm I'm glad to see that he his walks were down a little bit this year. And, um, and, you know, all systems go for me. I don't, I, we should probably play a little bit of who would you rather, uh, with sure. as people. Give me, give me some names for Carlos Rodon. Um, well, I guess one thing that comes off the top of my head is, uh, TJ House. I gotta go Rodon there. I'm not, I'm not fully given up on House yet. I, I, I do remain steadfast there. So it wouldn't necessarily be House or anybody over House. But with Rodon's upside, I, I never really saw House as a major upside guy anyway. For me, the, my my appeal or the appeal he had for me was that I thought I was going to get, you know, 170 solid innings, you know, of like a 350 ERA and, and, and a decent whip uh, with decent strikeout rates as well from House. That's that's kind of what I thought we were going to get. We still could, obviously. It's been two starts, one. The velocity is down, dude. It's I mean, I'm it, it's been brutal. I mean, it has been brutal because the first start, okay, you give him a pass, it was the Tigers. But then the Twins smashed him around. Strikeouts aren't there. And, you know, seven and a half or so on the sinker now, maybe he was just a crafty lefty who had it going on for a little bit last year. And we overinflated him as 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 a group, because I'm starting to think that that one might have been a miss even even early on. But I got to go more than seven innings before I'm willing to just put the nail in the coffin and say that last year was garbage for house. But even still, um, even with a little bit of love for house left, I I still got to go Rodon. That's just because of how much I like his upside. What about you? Yeah, you know, uh, I think I think I would uh, move on from House. I think that the the um, the velocity worries me. Also, I had him at 84 uh, in my pitcher rankings. It, it, you know, the number is not as important as the general place, which means that he's just on the outside of a mixed league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's kind of a final mixed league pitcher type guy. So, you know, you know, throwing Rodon, I'd rather have in my mixed league now because, you know, if House is you know, median projection was to be barely useful in my league, uh, then I'd rather go after Rodon's ceiling projection um, to be more useful in my league and, and then, you know, find that floor later if I need to. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, in, a, in a league where I can make that move, I would. Uh, I'm going to move up the, the rankings now. I would drop uh, Willie Peralta for sure. Uh, Jake yeah. Peavy, no problem. Uh, for me. Wait, not- who, who was that last one? Jake Peavy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Jason Hamill, I'm dropping for for Radon. 
I am too, and I I really like Hamill, but I I would too for the upside because again Hamill for me isn't a guy that I see major upside from. I I just I think he's going to be solid, which I'll value in a certain league like a deep league where I just want some quality innings. But uh, e- even still, the comparison against Radon just because the upside's so huge, I feel like I could go replace if it busted out. I could go get a Hamill clone uh, later, even if Hamill was picked up in the interim. Uh, Taiwan Walker. Boy, I mean that that was close because you're dealing with two guys with with electric upside, and you know Rodon the unknown is is, is why he's so appealing. And that that one's going to be in the bullpen. That one's really close. I, I I think as it stands right now, I would go Rodon because Walker might actually last out there for a little bit on the wire because of how poorly he's pitched. But maybe tonight would be kind of the deciding factor. I'm kind of giving him show me something against Houston. I know it's not a great. Uh, opponent, but that's part of the reason that I'm like, if you can't show me something here, Taiwan, then I really got to move on from you right now until you until you prove it. Uh, so I guess Let's see. I, yeah, I would I'll say see. yeah, tonight's the deciding factor for me. Yeah, I like that. I, I would see tonight watching for uh, walks, watching for number of strikes, watching for balls that sort of float over the middle of the zone. See how many homers he gives up, because you know with the command that he showed against the A's when I was in the in the park the other day, the stuff looked great, but the command he was showing against the A's. Um, they're not that powerful of a team, and they were taking him uh, to all parts of that park. So bombing him. What about know, he, what about Jared Weaver? He's been terrible. He's throwing eighty three. I just threw out a deal. Uh, my Jared Weaver plus a reliever for Cody Allen. So uh, Ooh, I, I like that buy low chance there. I, I like what you're doing on that. that sell low buy low. That's sneaky. Um, yeah, the sell low buy the the old sell low buy low. <laughs> um, I think uh, yeah yeah Jared Jared Weaver Wade Miley Taiwan Walker. Um, that's where it gets really hard for me. These are I agree. These are all guys who you know are in the seventies or so. So. Um, if you're going above that, you know, into my, I, I'm still holding Jesse Hahn, uh, Brandon I McCarthy, uh, even a Jose Quintana. I think I'm going to give him a little more time. I was going to say him, but for me, it, it's a no-brainer. I'm sticking with Quintana because that'd be a colossal overreaction to the bad starts. One of which was against Detroit, who just they murder lefties. So you know, and after I, after my article today, James Paxton, I'm not dropping him. I think, you know, he's 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 showing the propensity to throw a few more high fastballs and he throws a few more than he's been throwing. Um, I think we could see the strikeout rate go up a little bit. You know, the velocity is down a little bit, but still 93, 94, which is uh, well above average for, for a uh, lefty. And the change continues to, to at least be average. And with that, with that great tight curveball, which is kind of platoon neutral, um, I, I think uh, I'm holding James Paxton because James Paxton, could have as much upside as Rodon. You know? Exactly, and that's that's that was kind of the same thing I was getting at with Walker. It's like, okay, I'm cutting the guy who's already failed a little bit, but he still has major upside, and it, it's it's well within the possibility that Rodon goes out and gets smashed as a starter. So he, he's not guaranteed anything. So I, I agree with you there. I think we're I think we've kind of found the level that that you're willing to go for, but you should have somebody on your 12-team or deeper team that you're willing to cut to try to take a chance on him. So I recommend doing that. You know, we're going to wrap up with some performances of note uh, from, the, from the last couple of days that I just kind of want you to talk about. Um, you know, we got to start with Anthony Desclafani because obviously – you, you, you spoke highly of him coming into the year. You really started to sell some folks. I got really sold on him because of, of your writing and your discussion of him. And it's been great so far. It's really working out, by the way. And uh, I got to thank you for that because he was big for me in uh, in the Daily Fantasy space yesterday. Very nice outing for him. I've just been really impressed. You know, the strikeouts haven't been through the roof, but they've been solid. Everything else has been great. He was excellent before that rain delay in uh, in Cincinnati against Pittsburgh on, in his opener. It wasn't bad when he came back, but that's where he gave up the runs. And then 15 scoreless since then for Descalfani on the road at the Cubs and at the Brewers. And I know the Brewers are terrible, but this is a young guy going out there and really establishing himself early on through three starts. Are you seeing uh, what you expected, or are you seeing even more than what you might have expected from Anthony Descofani so far? Uh, well, he came out and, and threw more change-ups in his first game than he had 
ever before in his career. So that was, that was a fun thing to see. Um, and it, it was even more, I think, than he did in spring. It was probably a carryover from the spring mantra, which was probably throw the change up and then throw it again and then throw it some more. So, <laughs> um, you know, and then, you know, he, one thing that surprised me in my interview that I did with him was the curveball. And he, he has actually, uh, you know, started throwing, I think, a knuckle curve. Uh, which is you can differentiate from his slider, and I think that is also a, a good weapon for him. And he's he's showing that he trusts it. Um, let me do it in raw uh, pitch counts here because the percentages are weird sometimes. Yeah, he's thrown uh, eight of those curveballs in the last two starts. It's not nothing, you know. It's a little, you know, it's it's about half as many changeups he's thrown. But between that, uh, between if you add the changeups to the curves uh, in each of the games, he's He's getting closer to equaling his slider usage. Um, okay, so we're, see, we're seeing a deeper arsenal is what as the big exactly. takeaway. And I think that was what I was kind of hoping for um, this year was for him to trust those other pitches because I do like the slider um, and uh, and I and I do like his fastball it has a decent amount of rise, uh, good velocity. So good good for to see those um, and the change this year. I mean, he's only thrown thirty one, but sixteen percent whiffs. Um, this year, and if you, uh, you know, look for his whole career, um, 50, you know, he's thrown 65 changeups, 15% whiff. So the, the theory that the shape of his changeup was good enough to work, um, I think is, is holding water so far. So, uh, excellent. Uh, yeah, I, I've been really impressed. I'm sure you're getting crazy, crazy positive tweets about it. it. It's been, it's been a great start so far. I really hope he can keep it going. And everything we've seen so far suggests that this Kofani can continue to be an effective piece of that well, representation. You know, 11% swing strike rate should, should get you more than seven, uh, seven strikeouts for nine. I know that his ground ball rate is up too. And I'm sure that's on purpose because, you know, he left Miami and, and arrived in Cincinnati. So exactly. Uh, you know, he's throwing the, the two seamer a lot more this year also, um, and probably trying to get some ground balls, but um, I'll take it because I think the biggest thing for him was not as much, uh, you know, seven strikeouts per nine starters. Okay. You know, it's not uh, probably won't win you your league, but if you're, especially in deep leagues where, We've been touting to Sclafani, and even in other places, uh, it's it's about average, I think. And yeah, then, you can definitely work with that, and especially at the price that he cost. And yeah, and then the the homeritis, the homeritis was the real problem uh, because he was projected for uh, and zips still and zips and steamer still want to project him for 1.2 homers per nine the rest of the way, and I'm just like, dudes. He's not the same pitcher. First of all, he's you know he's throwing the sinker more, he's throwing the changeup more, he's going to get more ground balls. And I wasn't ever that convinced that he had to give up. Um, you know, I don't know why the, the projections are like fixating on this 1.09 homers per nine in 33 innings with Miami and then maybe a 0.84 homers per nine in double A in 43 innings. I don't know why they keep spitting out these high homer projections. So yeah, he doesn't get any love for only allowing a 0.5 throughout his entire minor league career. I mean, he yeah. has 354 innings where Descafani. Yeah, he was only giving up a half a homer. So, yeah, I'm really liking what I'm seeing. I'm glad that y- your eyes are, are telling you that what you liked about him is being backed up. Change-up is the one thing that I keep looking for because that was the big thing that uh, you were selling with regards to this is a workable change-up. This can be good. So let's keep it going with Descalfani. Uh I want to talk about another guy who I kind of missed the boat on this year, Um and and I've, I've already admitted as much, and I know it's super early. We're talking 46 plate appearances. And maybe he craters, and then I can be like, hey, maybe I did miss the boat. But as it stands right now, I think I missed the boat because I knew the plan. It was something that you had even, we'd even talked about when we were discussing your potential uh, AL labor uh, plans when, when we were out in Arizona. And it was Stephen Vogt. And, you know, you're saying, oh, should I get uh, a scrub catcher too, but also buy vote with the intention of putting vote in there? And, you know, so I, I knew all that sort of stuff. I knew he was going to gain catcher eligibility, et cetera, et cetera. What I didn't realize is how good of a hitter he was. I, don't, I, I just don't think that it registered. I think I only saw the nine home runs, didn't put into context that it was about a half season of work. And so then we're looking at, you know, a potential 20 homer catcher at that point. He's been electric so far for, for the, for the new swing and A's. They, they've been great as a club. His walk rates up, his strikeout rates up a little bit, but everything across the board, his triple slash has been unreal. Four homers for vote. 
everything's working out. Now he has his catcher eligibility. What have you seen from Vote? And are, are you are you seeing this as the uh, a potential age thirty breakout for for Mister Vote, a late bloomer to be sure? Well, I think the reason he wasn't allowed to to catch more was that people thought he was bad defensively, and um, you know I think there are reasons that they thought that the other teams thought that, and. You know, so therefore he would be kind of a catcher bat trying to find a position, you know, at first or in left field or whatever. But you watch him play and he's a, he's a little bit more athletic, I think, than some catchers. Um, he's not, he's kind of not, he's not that slow. He, he hasn't st- stolen a lot of bases in his career, but he's not that slow. And, um, you know, you look at his contact rate and it's not quite what you expect out of a catcher. You know, it's a, uh, it's a very nice swing strike rate and a, and a good strikeout rate in the sort of 14 to 15%. I, I believe that stuff. So, you know, yeah, he's had a little bit of luck with the homers, I think, this year. Um, yeah, 31% homers per fly ball. That's uh, not going to last? That's you're, not gonna... You're, you're projecting you're, – you're on air right now projecting a, a regression of a 31% homer per fly Okay, well, I got you on the record then. It'll stand on the record. Oh, no, you didn't. But, uh, it'll, you know, it'll stand. It'll stand. Uh, the – uh, but I do think that you can have, you know, above league average power with a, with, uh, a better than league average contact rate. So that's the kind of way that you have a decent batting average. So I, I you know, that's, I always liked him for a decent batting average. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, you know, I've been using it as a DFS situation because, uh, like I said, I didn't really get him anywhere. I just kind of missed the boat. Um, he's been, I think he's going to start creeping up the lineup too. He started the season in the seven-six range. His last two games have been two and three uh, in the lineup, so I don't think we're going to make too much out of just a couple games. But if he continues to hit like this, we know the Oakland uh, A's are not set in stone about what they're going to do. They're not going to have somebody who is automatically the number three hitter all the time. So Stephen Vogt could move up, which only improves his his fantasy value. Also, he's one of those guys who, you know, when he's not catching doesn't necessarily have to be off the field because he has played some first some right he could dh so there's a lot of ways for for vote to get playing time i'm pretty psyched on his uh his long-term prospects here for the season another guy i was psyched on coming into the year and, and did cash in on so i have been enjoying his fast start is luis valbuena out in uh out in houston he had a nice little platoon season last year that kind of morphed into a full season uh, because, he, you know, he's a, he was a lefty masher. Or, 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 I mean, excuse me, he was a strong side platoon guy uh, who really struggled with lefties. But, uh, you know, it was okay. Well, it kind of kind of held his own last year to get 547 plate appearances and popped 16 homers. Now, 15 were against righties. So he still doesn't do a lot against lefties. But I'll take a strong side platoon guy any day with, with pop. And that's what Valbuena can do. He plays a couple positions, second and third qualification. With a two-homer day yesterday, Valbuena now has five homers. And, uh, you know, the power is there. Not really expecting batting average. Didn't do it last year either. Hit 249, hitting 244 so far this year. But the pop, this dude with this new park, I think could hit 20 bombs. Uh, what do you think of Luis Valbuena? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's slightly altered his approach and had, you know, better numbers, better power numbers in Chicago than he's projected for by either system rest of the season. So, you know, I'm not, once again, 30% home run per fly ball rate, not, not projecting that going forward, but I think I would take the over on his rest of season power projections, which, you know, both uniformly have him hitting 15 more homers. You know, he's in Houston now. Um, you know, he doesn't, he's 29. He's, he's got his approach figured out. He's, you know, he hasn't been this same batter his whole life. So I think some of his old numbers are not, um, as useful. He also used to not get platooned as much. That made his overall numbers not look as exciting. So, you know, given who he is, not a guy who's going to get much more than 500 plate appearances, I still think he can hit, um, you know, 22, 23 homers this year, um, you know, with a 250 batting average, that sort of thing. You know, his bat right now is 179 because homers don't count yeah. <laughs> as hits in, in the balls in play. Um, but um, I think eventually, you know, a few more doubles, maybe a few, few fewer homers, but still – um, more power than we've seen from him in the past. But when is on pace for 74 homers, I have you on record as saying that he won't reach that again. <laughs> I'm going to hold just, you to this these. Come, this comes short. 
we're gonna we're gonna check on these in in the fall, and you're gonna look foolish. But I got you down for not will not hit 74 homers. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next guy. It's back on the mound, and it, it just happens to be a run of guys with the last name start with V. Um, and Edinson Volquez, you know, he had the big season last year with Pittsburgh, but even his big season doesn't leave you too inspired because it had a a, a two strikeout to walk ratio. If you're if you round up even because it was at one point nine seven to be uh, to, to be down to the decimal point there, but now he moves over to the Royals and and things have actually gotten better, which is kind of the biggest surprise here. His uh, you know his strikeout to walk ratio is at five point seven. His K minus BB percentage is at a career best seventeen percent right now. He's not walking guys, which is the craziest thing about Volquez. We've seen him have decent strikeout numbers in the past, and you know he kind of eschewed some strikeouts last year for the ground balls. And, and at least a, you know, a good walk rate for him. It was his best walk rate last year at 9%. Uh, you know, it was kind of the Pittsburgh model. Well, he's taken the Pittsburgh model and dialed it up a little bit, got the Ks back up over 20%, really cut the walks, and still getting the ground balls. Volquez has been great with the skills to back it so far. Are you buying into this now uh, after three starts, that, since it is such a market improvement from, from what we saw out of Volquez with Pittsburgh last year? It's crazy. I was worried that, you know, a lot of this would be the framer behind him. And I, and, you know, after a, you know, a thousand innings with four and a half walks per nine, I'm, I'm not comfortable, you know, even projecting him for a, a league average walk rate, but that's what he did last year. And if you do project him for a league average walk rate going forward, he's going to beat all the projections, um, on our site. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I struggle in moments like this. I mean, it is only three starts, uh, but, you know, he's thrown uh, 310 uh, four-seamers this year, and he has a better ball rate um, on those four-seamers. I mean, 310 fastballs, and he has a better ball rate on those fastballs than he did last year. I mean, you know, I, I'm nervous, too, because I'm thinking, you know, I, I was saying don't you don't want to trust this guy. He's going to kind of be that – in and out. He'll throw a gem every once in a while because he has good, he has good stuff. So the, the days that he is on, Edson Volquez can still look good. He was a hot prospect. He's stuck around this long because he has some talent. But I didn't really expect him to be too much this year going to KC. And early on, the returns are nice. So I think we do still need more time. I agree with you. Your main point that we've seen a thousand plus innings of a four and a half walk rate. So you can't just all of a sudden believe that this 1.2 walk rate is going to stick. But he's got a lot of wiggle room between that. Uh, the, the, the 1.2 walk rate, uh, per nine, or the 4%, if you will. The 4% that we've, we're seeing so far this year, and the 9% that we saw last year that was a career best. He's got a lot of wiggle room in there to still put up another career best and be a useful guy. So, I'm kinda interested in Volquez right now. I actually used him in DFS last night, so that Descofani, uh, Volquez pairing was very nice. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit interested in him. I'm I'm looking to acquire him off the wire in in a few leagues where I've got kind of an open spot. And I think some of the names that we mentioned earlier in the Rodon versus uh, whomever game, I think I would start taking Volquez ahead of some of those names too, which I didn't think I would say at any point in the year, let alone just a few starts in uh, when I'm less you know comfortable making sh- sharp decisions like that. Yeah. There's a, a really interesting error on uh, Brooks Baseball right now, I think. <laughs> Let's see. What uh, we got? I, I just tried to look up where he's throwing his four-seam in a sinker this year, and um, it looks like uh, Edison Volquez is throwing 35% of all of his fastballs. Uh, oh, no, it's even more than that. Uh 40% of all of his fastballs are going high and tight. <laughs> I see that. That gi- <laughs> that giant that giant red box in the upper left corner. Everything else is blue. That is That'd so funny. Decimal point or something. Something weird going on. Got to be some sort of error because it's out of the zone too. It's not even the, the yeah. uh, you know uh, upper left of the zone. That's from the catcher view, by the way. So the upper left of, of the zone from the catcher view. I don't think everything uh, is running arm side out of the zone and netting <laughs> these results. You're right. That might be a bit of an error there. Um, but uh, but so uh, uh, what league format are you willing to buy him? Let's just say, would you buy him in a 12 team mixed if you had 
a busted uh, a busted pitcher you were looking to move on from? Uh, Still I, too early for twelve team mix. I I understand that. I understand that. <laughs> I can't. I mean, uh, the, the the two leagues that I've looked to, that I put in claims on was a fifteen team mix and a, and a ten team AL only so far. So I would, you know, I would drop uh, Zach McAllister for him. Okay. I would drop. Um, what about some of those names we talked about earlier? House. Would you do House yet? Don't think I would do House yet. Yeah, I would do oh. House. That's uh, that's where I am with House because I think Volquez. That one's that one's close. I, I think I just moved Volquez into House's tier so more than I'm moving uh, House way down. I just think uh, I don't know. I'm I'm buying in a little bit. I I know it, it might be crazy, and I didn't think I ever would. But uh, I'm a, I'm a little bit interested. Kyle uh, Gibson. Oh, see now that because I liked Gibson coming in. I, I'm going to go Volquez. Yeah, and I, I, I liked Gibson. Gibson's been throwing his his secondary stuff a little bit more, which is what I wanted him to do, but not a lot more. And uh, it hasn't. Uh, the results haven't been great. The stri- the swing strike rate hasn't improved. Um, yeah, I think I think I might drop Gibson for for Volquez there. All right. Well, we're 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 acquiring Edson Volquez on a Tuesday, folks. Uh, we're going to wrap up with one one quick thing. I just want to get if you've seen him play at all yet. Your thoughts on Chris Bryant? He had the three strikeout debut against James Shields. Tough first draw, by the way. But he's six for ten since with uh, with just one strikeout, a, a, a little league homer yesterday, where there's a double and an error, kind of ran around the bases. Uh, what do, what are you seeing out of him so far? If you've been able to sit down and watch any of his games. Well, you know, he told me in our interview, and I don't even know that that I put it in the interview eventually, but he told me that one of the things that was different, because I said that Mookie Betts said one of the things that was different in the high minors and the majors was that pitchers can hit, can throw any pitch in any count, and that you have to, you, there aren't as many hitters, hitters counts anymore, which is something that Brett Lowry has said to me recently too. And, um, and then the other thing, uh, and so I told, I told Brian that, and Brian said, uh, yeah, well, not, it's not only that, it's that a pitch in the minor leagues that looks like it's gonna stay, is in the zone, will stay in the zone, even if it's like a breaking pitch or it has some movement. But in the major leagues, a pitch that looks like it's gonna be in the zone can drop out of the zone. Big time, yeah. And, um, and so that suggests to me that not only because people say, you know, command is one of the big differences in the minor leagues, but it's also movement. That means that, that they're, they're these pitches that look like they're strikes, and because they're in the major leagues and they're better pitchers, they have more movement and they move out of the strike zone. So I, I was hearing that so much in my head when I was watching Bryant, especially against Shields, because he was swinging at pitches that were at the bottom of the strike zone, and they just bottomed out after that. So you kind of have to adjust your swing, um, your your swing heat map up a little bit and and tighten it up because you know. That there are pitches that look like they're going to be on the outside corner and they're not going to, they're not going to be there when you swing. So I think, um, you know, to his credit, he, he, he saw some of that right away and, uh, you saw him kind of hit himself on the helmet and, um, and try to get back in it. And, you know, I think he's done, he's, he's in the, any at bat since he's done a better job of, of grinding and, and, and not swinging and, and not, you know, letting the pitcher dictate the at bat, I think. Definitely. It's been some quick adjustments uh, for Bryant. I'm impressed to see them, even even if he wasn't hitting 429. You know, even if, if three that three of those six that have gone for hits were just well struck, but at, but at a, at a defender, I would still be impressed with what, with what we're seeing after that first, like I said, super tough draw there facing Shields' changeup. And, and Shields, you know, kind of wanted to let the rookie know that, hey, man, you're a rook. We, uh, the fanfare is nice and all, but, but grab some pine, buddy. Um, I, I think, Brian, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I really am. I, I hesitate to go too crazy when, when, a, when a rookie comes up and say that he's going to, you know, be a high impact fantasy asset, but uh, he this could be one of the exceptions uh, with, with Bryant, you know. And, and we we don't see too many. We see many more failures upon arrival than than successes. But uh, I'm hoping that he just crushes it. And I, I don't even have him in fantasy. I just I just think it'd be a great story if 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 old Blue Eyes destroyed it. But anyway, that's good. that's going to do it for us today. I know I believe you're getting out to the yard today, and uh, I, I, I've got a, a couple things going on. That's why we're recording early. But we'll be back on Thursday to discuss more baseball. Until then, you know, take care. Oh, one last thing I wanted to mention: MLB. Now-
Network. Uh, if you are going to the yard tonight, I think you need to record the game on MLB Network tonight. They're going to debut the first game with, with a bunch of StatCast stuff in it, and I'm super geeked about that. I don't know if you've seen any of the breakdowns that they've done already with just like a one-off play, but it's going to be in the whole game tonight, and I think it's going to be awesome. So that's just a, that's just a little PSA for me if you have MLB Network to record or watch the game tonight. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, it'll be fun, and uh, they're definitely bigging it up all day today on, on MLB Network. Um, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll see some misuses of uh, of the, the data at first, and we may look back in a couple of years and say, "Wow!" and laugh. Uh, that was that was some early batting average years right there. But <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I like them calling the early batting average years. <laughs> but we'll, uh, but uh, it is more data, and I hope that. Some amount of it uh, filters down to us and becomes usable. So, agreed. All right, you know, I'll let you go, and we'll talk in two days then.